Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans, the 12th chapter. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, we've been teaching a series on man on three dimensions. And uh, I believe if we can discover who we are, then we'll discover why we are. Everybody say amen to that. And um, we, we, I don't want to rehearse a whole lot, but we found out, and it's very important that we understand who we are, that the Bible says in Genesis that we're made in the image and likeness of God. And that we're three-dimensional like God. We are spirit beings. We have a soul which is made up of our mind, our will, and emotions. And we live in a natural body, an earth suit that God equipped for us. And that earth suit is made in the image and likeness of our parents. If you agree with me, say amen to that. And um, when Adam transgressed uh, in the garden, he didn't realize what would happen. That literally it would impact every aspect of his life, spirit, soul, and body. And when he transgressed, the Bible says that he was separated from God, eternally separated from God. And God drove him from the garden so that he would have to labor by the sweat of his brow to, to meet his needs and his family's needs. And so not only did, uh, was he severed from God inwardly, it affected also his soul and his body. And then the good news is 4,000 years later, because God had planned it, that uh, Jesus came into the earth to die on the cross to, to restore us back into God's favor so that we could discover eternal life and, 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 and make our way back to God. Everybody say amen to that. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things inwardly have become new. And that's the good news of the gospel. Brand new on the inside, but unchanged on the outside. Your spirit was changed, but your soul and body remained the same, which really gives us deeper meaning to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, which is right here, Romans 12, uh, the, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And Amen. that's the body part. And be not conformed to this world, but be metamorphosed, be transformed by the renovation of your thinking, the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or put to test what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So we know from this that when you're born again, the inside man becomes new, even though it has to be educated. It has to be, uh, you know, right, educated. Remember, when you get a revelation from God, it, the revelation doesn't come to your head. The revelation comes to your heart, your spirit being. And through that, you grow spiritually so that you, so that you discover the why you are in this world. We are in the world for this purpose, to be a light to those that are still in darkness. How many are grateful that you found the light, you discovered the light of God's word at some point? You know, I always say, you know, you didn't find the Lord, the Lord found you. Hallelujah. And uh, through that wonderful experience, you were transformed into the image of God inwardly and keep being transformed. All right. Now, the New Living Translation says, don't copy. That means we have the opportunity to do so, but don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and acceptable. I, I apologize. I wanted to, Tina, you had that up there earlier. I wanted to read, uh, sec, to start out with this. I just forgot about it. But I wanted to start out with this. Why is so important, uh, why the Bible is so important in your life as a believer. 
Every scripture, this is the Amplified, I can read it on the screen. Every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable. Say, say God's word is profitable. Word. Amen. It's profitable for instruction, for reproof, conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. So that the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good or every God work. Can I have an amen to that? And so that's why God gave us the word. That's why important the word of God is in your life, is that, that it literally changes you inside out so that you become more Christ-like in your life. Now, in, in Galatians 5, Paul, addressing the believers, Here's what he says in the New Living Translation. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Now, in this teaching, and because it really helps to discover this, especially the new believers, that literally you have two natures that you're contending with in your life. Now, you may not realize that because, um, uh, again, I don't make light of the devil. The devil's work is in the earth. The devil is walking to and fro the whole earth, seeking someone to whom he may devour. But Jesus disarmed him on the cross. So listen, his great, he's not our greatest threat. Listen, his nature is our greatest threat. Jeremy, he's not our greatest threat. His nature is our greatest enemy, his nature. And what's interesting, what Paul writes here, he says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. So now we, through, through that verse, we know that we have two natures. We have a nature from above, and we have a nature from beneath. We have a spiritual nature made in the image of Christ, and we have a sinful nature. Listen, and the one you feed the most will ascend to dominance in your life. The one you feed the most will ascend to dominance, dominance in your life. That's so important. That's why it's, God is not square you know, you know, when it comes to all the moral issues of life, God wants us to have pleasure. Uh, God wants, you know, especially the, the, the pleasure that we experience through uh, uh, sexual intimacy. But that is only blessed through the boundaries of marriage. So that's when it's blessed. Otherwise, it becomes a curse. And, and God doesn't want you cursed. God wants you blessed. Can I have an amen? And God graces you for whatever you have to deal with in your life. I'm talking about even as a single, God graces you to live a holy life in an unholy world. If you agree with me, say amen. So what, the one you feed the most will rise up and take control of the other. Paul continues, instead use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor, and I wrote because that's exactly what it's saying, love your neighbor as you yourself would want to be loved. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as you yourself would want to be loved. Treat your neighbor as you yourself would want to be treated. Forgive your neighbor as you yourself would want to be forgiven and bless your neighbor as you yourself would want to be blessed. Isn't that good? If only we could capture that and exercise that on a daily basis. But he goes on, if you're always, remember he's writing to the church, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So again, we have this nature within us that is Christ-like, made in the image of God, alive unto God. And until we leave these natural bodies and return to God who made us, we're going to have to contend 
with not only the new, well, not contend with the new, but we have to contend with this uh, nature that many of us practiced for years in our lives before we got saved. This, this thing called the sinful nature, or I call it the Adamic nature. We have these two natures that we have to address in our lives. Now, turn to Romans, the seventh chapter. Ephesians, now these two natures, we read this earlier. I'm not going to Ephesians 4 tonight because we've already repeated that. But in Ephesians 4, these two natures are identified as the old man and the new man. The old man and the new man. Raise your hand if you can identify with me tonight the, the, the characteristics of the old man. Raise your hand. Because why? Because you still have those things that to deal with in your life. And then there's the new man made in the image of likeness of God. Now in Romans, the seventh chapter, Paul addresses the competition between these two forces. Romans, the seventh chapter. I read this, but I wanted to go back to verse 18, just in case you were not here. Because I think a lot of times, uh, see, if we don't understand these things, then we can identify our true enemy. We're trying to put the devil under our feet. We're, all the time, not recognizing that that. He's not as a big deal as you think he is. Well, that sure was a good grunt from all of you. That he really is a disarmed individual. Listen, he's a disarmed individual in the life of the believer. Now, he's surely armed in the life of the unbeliever in the sense of, you know, they're giving heed to his nature and don't even realize that that nature is coming from him. Now, look at verse, um, we talked about this a little bit, but I'm read this last part here. Romans 7, verse 18. For, and it's very easy to understand if you just read it through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. For I know, Paul says, that in me, watch this, that is in my flesh, dwells no, dwells no good thing, for to will is present within me, but how to perform that will, which is, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So, now, every one of us probably will agree that before you were saved, you wanted to do good. Come on. You wanted to do good, but you just couldn't do it. The very thing you wanted to do, you didn't do. The very thing you didn't want to do, you did. Because you didn't realize that this nature had control of your life because you weren't saved yet. Now, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me, dwells in dwells where? Ask, answer the question, dwells where? In my flesh. Back up to verse 18. Not in you as the new creature, but in your flesh. You catching this? Okay. Now, I find that a law, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man... Even before you're saved, you wanted to do right, but just couldn't because something was controlling you. It was that Adamic nature, that nature without God. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind because that's where it all starts right here. The mind is the gateway to the heart. The mind is the, it's the battleground for everything in your life that the devil wants to convince you, uh, lie to you, to tell you you aren't what God says you are. Let's go on. And um, uh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity 
to the law of sin which is in my members. Now, just to not confuse you again, go back to, remember, if you study the Bible in context, you'll never get off. In Romans, the sixth chapter, look at verse, now, I didn't tell her to put this up there so if she can get there, Romans 6, verse 12. Uh, uh, I wish I could read all this again, but he goes, let not sin, therefore, because you're dead, un, dead unto sin and alive unto God, verse 11, let not sin, let not sin. Who's in control? When the Bible says let not sin, who's in control of that? You are. Let not sin, therefore, the Bible says, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof, but, and neither yield, to, to, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield, your member, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So on a daily basis, you have a decision who you're going to yield to. You're going to yield to the members of this body to sin unto death or unto righteousness, righteousness unto life. Isn't that good? I don't know. I'm getting blessed by this. I don't know about you. Because yeah. you have to recognize what you're dealing with in your life on a daily basis. So, back to verse, verse 24 of 7. O wretched man that I am, O wretched man of flesh that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? This body to which all sin is expressed through, ah, and which all righteousness is expressed through if you make the right choices. Ah, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the, with, with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Okay, now no chapters were here when Paul wrote this. So let's go right back, wrote into the next chapter, even though it wasn't a chapter. Okay, there, so he continues, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Look at here. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I wrote this down as I was thinking about this. I said, why was the law called the law of sin and death? Because the law convicted you, but failed to convert you. The law could charge you, but the law couldn't change you. The law could say you're doing wrong, but didn't give you the power to do right. There was the frustration for the Israelites. That's why God had to get his spirit with, on the inside of us. Everybody say amen to that. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, again, it was weak through the flesh because it didn't change anything. It just gave you it gave you a spiritual principle, but didn't give you the power to walk it out. And then you know what the law said? Now, if you don't walk it out, you'll die. Well, that's wonderful. So it, though it was holy, it became our enemy in our fallen state. Y'all here tonight? And this good. Now, verse, verse 3. So, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness, didn't say in sin, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, that was his purpose for coming, and he condemned sin in the flesh so that that sin wouldn't have to control your life. 
Why did he do it? That the righteousness of God, or righteousness of the law, might be fulfilled in us, watch this, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So every day when we get up, we have the choice to either yield to the leadership and counsel and guidance of the Holy Spirit, and listen, and display his attributes even when we don't feel like it, or we can yield to the flesh and go down that road, which brings defeat in our lives. So that's something we have to make, a decision we have to make on a daily basis, okay? He said there's no condemnation to those who, who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But if you walk after the flesh, there is condemnation. I wrote this down. Godly humility always produces conviction, but human pride always produces condemnation. And you know, every one of us have to deal with human pride. I hate it. I have to deal with it in my life, human pride. And you know you have pride when somebody tries to correct you and you rise up, your flesh rises up to, even to try to defend yourself. So we deal with that all the time. So Paul, Paul here is addressing us here that there is no condemnation of those that are Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But if you walk after the flesh, there's going to be condemnation. If you walk after the spirit, listen, if you walk after the spirit, there will be, listen, there will be conviction, there will be instruction, and there will be correction. How many want to be more Christ-like in your life? So you get to choose each day who you're going to yield to, okay? Now, verse 5, this is going to be on the screen here. This is the New Living Translation. Now he says, so now he's going to, we'll end up in Galatians, but uh, not uh, in Colossians, actually. Now he's going to really get into detail to identify, identify the difference between these two. Those, and I put here Christians because that's who he's addressing. He's addressing Christians. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. That's why we always say, you know, you know today we got a tremendous amount of uh, Christian men that are really, really dealing with this thing called pornography. And what's, uh, what's, uh, what the trap about it is that it doesn't, you know, lust is insatiable, you know, can never satisfy. It just takes you deeper, 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 and farther and farther and farther away from God. It destroys your uh, spiritual identity so that even if you want to do right, you won't because you have yielded to the wrong spirit. You have yielded, focused on the wrong things. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit and the, that you make that choice. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. How many want to please the Holy Ghost? Often, on a daily basis, I'm apologizing to the Holy Spirit for things I say, how I act, apologizing to him, telling him I'm so deeply sorry that I've grieved him. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile, hostile to God. 
It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. He wants you to know that there is an answer to this. If you're born again, you are not controlled by your sinful nature unless you want to be controlled by your sinful nature. Because he wants you to know that there was a true liberation in your life when you accepted Christ. And you all know that, I've asked you before, that there has been progressive change in your life since you've been a believer. Progressive change. And you'll be changing until Jesus comes. But make sure it's changing in the right direction. So good. Thank you, Lord. So, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and never will. Verse 8. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit of God if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then he says this in parentheses. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So raise your hand if you believe you have the Spirit of God living in you. Amen. So he's letting you know because of that truth. You don't have to be dominated by that flesh nature. Then he goes on and says this. And now he's going to address sinners in general. He makes this comment because he wants, to, he wants to help them understand the difference. He goes on and says this. And Christ lives within you. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, rem- yeah, that's what he says. And remember, those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So he's differentiating differentiating the difference, whatever that word is. Verse 19, and Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Lord. Amen. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit with living a spirit living within you. And I just put this in parentheses, as long as you're yielding your will to his. Dying is painful because nobody wants to die. You know, remember, he says it twice in Proverbs, the wisest man, Solomon says, every man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. So he wants you to know that The rich Christian life is when you learn how to daily yield your will to the will of the Holy Spirit. And you know the Holy Spirit doesn't lie. The Holy Spirit isn't in a pornography. The Holy Spirit uh, doesn't try to deceive anybody. Can I have an amen? The Holy Spirit isn't corrupt in any way. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, now we know who he's talking to, You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. It's urging you, but you have no obligation to that. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of this, he's simply saying, if you you allow to live by the dictates of your flesh as a Christian, that process of painful death will work in you until you are completely separated from God. That's how Paul, I mean, thank God for Paul's letters. Can I have an amen to that? But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. 
and I put this in parentheses, a life that exemplifies Christ. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves to your sinful nature. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Daddy, Daddy, Abba Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Say, I'm an heir of God's glory. That simply means that you inherited his nature. You inherited his presence. You inherited his anointing. You, you inherited all the Christ-likeness that God is. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And the suffering is self-denial. Self-denial. Not my will, God, but yours be done. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Now, I wanted to read this because I want, I want, in Galatians 5, though we read it before, just, just, again, helps all of us understand the, the competition between these two forces. Here's what Paul says. I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Holy Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I mean, it, there's still a warfare when it comes to making that decision. The moment you're about to lose your cool, you got to stop and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what would you do in this moment? What would you do? The world says count to ten. But what, what do we do in that moment? We yield to the Holy Spirit because we have learned what his nature is, which, which is identified in Galatians 5.22. Now, we'll end up here in, in Colossians 3. Why? Because it's, he begins to identify some of the things that we have to deal with as Christians. Okay? So, look at here. If then you've been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at, aim at, I think of a gun you aim at, you focus, you get your sights on what you want to hit. Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds and keep them set on what is above. I love this. He says the higher things. I immediately thought of Isaiah 55. God's Thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Everybody say amen. amen. I love this. He goes on and says this, not on the things that are on the earth. For as far as this world is concerned, you have died. And your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in splendor, in the splendor of his glory. Now look at here, now. Here, here, here's where the rubber meets the road in our spiritual responsibility. So kill, deaden, deprive of power the evil desire lurking in your members, those animal impulses, impulses and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin. So he gives us some examples. Sexual vice, impurity, 
sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness. For that is idolatry, the deifying of self and other created things instead of God. It is on account of these very sins that the holy anger of God is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience. Sons of obedience are rewarded. Sons of disobedience have to face the wrath of God. And I know we don't talk about the wrath of God that much because we have somehow believed that God never gets angry at us. That somehow he's not disappointed when we walk in the flesh instead of being led by the Spirit. And of course, he's very long-suffering. Come on, how many glad God's long-suffering? But at the same time, we have to stop and be wise and believe the scriptures, not believe what someone just told us. Oh, God, God put all his wrath on Jesus on the cross. No, he put all our sin on the cross. But God is still a father. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews 12, he chastens us. And life can get real miserable when we step outside the boundaries of his word. But I don't know about you, it's what I want. I said it's what I want. I want God to chasten me. I want God to discipline me. I want God to let me know when I'm stepping outside the boundaries of his word. Come on, everybody. Don't you want the same thing? He goes on and says this now. Yeah. For the holy anger of God, or the anger of God is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience, those who are obstinately opposed to the divine will. Now, among whom you once walked when you were living in and addicted to such practices, oh, but now, put away and rid yourselves completely of all these things. Here it comes more. Anger, rage, bad feeling toward others, curses and slander, and foul-mouthed abuse and shameful utterances from your lips. And there's not one of us that haven't been guilty of this. He's telling us, he's giving us such beautiful instructions. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old unregenerate self with its evil practices and have clothed yourselves with, with the new spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image, the likeness of him who created it. Verse 12. So clothe yourselves. See, it's our, it's our responsibility. Therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives, who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself by putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy. Let me just stop and say this. We have like 230 churches in Falls, Sioux Falls, and one starting up every week. And most of them are started out of contention. Oh, maybe, okay, I apologize. But a lot of them are started out of contention because people just can't get, can you imagine what the church sizes would be if people would just die to self and serve God and be God-like in their lives? Yeah, we would have such an impact on our community. But the world watches the believers and they're all full of dis, discontent, contention, strife, and they're, you know, I've got enough problems of my own. I don't have to join that crew. But we're not going to be that way at Faith Family. Can I have an amen? amen? But we have to do something. Clothe yourselves. Amen. 
as God's own chosen ones who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself by putting on. There you go. If you got to put something on, that means it's not on until you put it on. Putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourselves, gentle ways, and patience which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. <laughs> That's so good. And be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference, a grievance, or complaint against another, readily pardoning each other. Even as the Lord has freely give, forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above else, all these, above all these, put on love. The God kind of love, of course. And enfold yourselves with the bond of perf perfectness. That word perfectness means the bond of completeness. I mean, find that place where you are walking with God so so everything that is, in you, that, that is of him in you is complete. Isn't that good? Which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. And everyone say amen. amen. When I finished here, I thought, how can I close this out? And God spoke to me about 2 Timothy, the second chapter, which is on the screen here. But in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also utensils of wood and earthenware, and some for honorable and noble use, and some for menial and ignoble use. So whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble, that word ignoble, I had to look it up in the Greek, it means dishonorable, shameful, and corrupt. Dishonorable, shameful, and corrupt. So whoever cleanses himself, God can't do it for you. Now, he'll empower you if you have that desire to, to go that direction. Say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble, what is dishonorable, what is shameful and corrupt and unclean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful uh, for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the master, fit and ready for any good work. I want to stop there for a moment. When, I was, when we were first saved, I worked at a mobile home factory. And uh, we, we'd uh, get off and, and right away. And, and for a time, I was going to a bar because, uh, to sit with some guys that I knew because I didn't drink. I just sat with them because I wanted to uh, be a light to them. And the Lord immediately, I mean, after about three or four times, he began to convict me that that is not the place I should go and be a light to. I mean, just because of the temptations of life. Now, I never got tempted with drinking. I got tempted with smoking weed. And no, medicinal weed isn't an excuse. No, I'm only kidding you, whatever. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just saying, God convicted me at that moment because it wasn't the atmosphere that I should, I should spend my time in. Now, if I have to run into a bar and go to the bathroom because, you know, you can't go any farther, you, you got to get there then that's something different. But I'm just simply saying God began to convict me as a young Christian that that wasn't the place I needed to be. And so I stopped right away. He goes on and says, shun youthful lusts or things that you had to deal with when you were young. He said, you got to shun these things that, that had a hold of you when you were a young person. You know, and of course today, you know, everything is so easy to access to. Not, when I was a young kid, that was, it wasn't that way. But now today, everything's on your phone, everything's on your computer. 
So he's telling the church, shun from shun youthful lusts and flee. That means run as hard as you can in the opposite direction from them and aim at and pursue righteousness, all that is virtuous and good, right living, conformity to the will of God in thought, in word, and in actions. And aim at and pursue faith, love, and peace, harmony and accord with others in fellowship with all Christians who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. And everyone say amen. While you're here, I want to pray for you tonight. Thank you, God. I hope this helps you. I hope this opened up your eyes to see that you don't have to be so hard on yourself because you have to understand you are contending with two natures. You know, when Paul said, when when Paul wrote, I think it's in the book of Colossians, it could be Ephesians, Ephesians. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if there's going to be any glory, any any presence of God, Christ has to be reigning in you and not allow your flesh to be reigning. How many here tonight with a lifted hand say, Pastor, that really I connected with what you're saying and I have, I, I, I can relate to the battles between the flesh and spirit. Raise your hand if you, thank you. Thank you so much because I want you to understand it's real. Every day you get up, you have choices to make. Every day. But, but here's, here's, here's one thing I want to help you. Get up in the morning, read a proverb. Read some psalms. Read something that'll get on the inside of you so that when the pressures do come, something of revelation, something of truth will come out of you. Because again, if the spirit doesn't ascend to be the strength of your life, then your flesh will be the dominant force. And you don't want your flesh to be the dominant force. You want your spirit to be. Amen. I said amen. That's why Paul said, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Why would you be ashamed? Because you're saying you represent Christ, but your life doesn't display it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Why? Because he's rightly divided the word of truth. Amen. I said amen. Bow your head if you would. Father, I pray for the congregation tonight. And I'm asking you, God, that you would anoint their spiritual eyes. That God of heaven, when they would get up in the morning, open the Bible, God, you will give them a word in due season. A word that will inspire them, strengthen them, bless them, and carry them through the day. Would you please lift your hands and give them praise for that. Say, I receive that by faith, Father. Everybody say it. I receive it by faith, Father. God, thank you. You said if we know the truth, the truth would liberate our lives and make us more like you. And Lord, that's what we want. We literally walk around saying we're Christians. So God, please help us to display that nature. May that nature become the dominant force as we yield to the leadership of the Spirit on a daily basis. Holy Father, we call upon you because we want to be Christ-like. We want to be God-like from the inside out. And Father, every one of us here repent tonight for grieving the Holy Spirit, for saying things even this day that we should have never said, acting in ways we should have never acted. Father, if that's any of you, just repent. Father, we repent. And God of heaven, we just accept and receive 
your loving kindness and your tender mercies. And God, we receive forgiveness. And we thank that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Give him praise for that. Thank you, Abba Father. We give you glory and honor. We give you glory and honor.